0: Hello, everyone. A warm welcome to HTBB Church. My name is the Reverend Dr. James Harding, and I'm the principal at St. Paul's Theological College, SPTC. And it's always such a joy and a privilege to be able to share some words with you. I want to read to you some of my favourite words of scripture, and then unpack what those words mean for us today. Philippians chapter two, verses five to 11. These words are stunning, they're breathtaking. Verse five, in your relationships with one another, with each other, have the same mind, the same attitude as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature or form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be used to his own advantage, to be snatched at, to be held tightly onto. Rather, he humbled himself. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, of a slave, being made in human likeness, and being found in the former appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him to the highest place and given him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Wow. Every time I read this, my mind is blown. This is both profoundly deep and rich, theology, but also it's a beautifully poetic overflow of words of love from the heart. Sometimes words alone are not enough. And such rich theology like this, it just needs to be sung. Sometimes when words are not enough, you have to just break out into song. And these days, you know, it doesn't even matter if you can sing or not. Karaoke, Guitar Hero, American Idol, X Factor, Asia's Got Talent, Worship Central. These days, we can all be a pop star or rock legend, even though we probably can't sing as good as Stu McElrath or dance like Miles Toulmin. Singing out aloud does us good. Singing strengthens the immune system. Singing increases aerobic activity. It might help us lose weight. It prevents snoring and sleep disorders. And singing releases natural antidepressant hormones. Singing does us good. It makes us feel good. And Philippians 2, verses 6 to 11, was made to be sung. The Bible is full of songs. Songs are an important part of scripture. There's this huge, massive, overwhelming explosion of joy at the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not enough to just speak about it in ordinary everyday words and so you see it just starting to bubble up into rhythm and tempo and melody and song. Mary's song in in Luke 1, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. Zachariah's song in Luke 1, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has come to his people and set them free. There's the angels song in Luke chapter two, glory to God in the highest. And then Simeon's song in Luke two, my eyes have seen your salvation. And then there's this dynamite, spiritual energy released by the Holy Spirit at Pentecost at the birth of the church that seems to be expressed most easily in songs of joyful praise. Joyful song, the most natural consequence and response to what the Spirit is doing. Ephesians 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Colossians chapter 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. And then we enter the heavenly throne room in Revelation chapter five with the song blessing and honor and glory and power forever and ever. These Bible verses were all meant to be sung. The Bible, it's full of gorgeous, ornate, stunning, delightful rhapsodies because the deepest theology always needs to be sung. No wonder Colossians 3 verse 16 says, sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And Ephesians 5 verse 19 says, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Time and time again in the Bible, you see this happening. Whenever people have this encounter with the gospel, the good news, whenever people encounter Jesus Christ, there's this explosion of joy and they end up singing. And one of my favorite songs in the New Testament, it just has to be Philippians 2. Verses 6 to 11. I love reading it in the original Greek, where you get this poetic, stately, balanced, and rhythmical feel. You see, there it, it naturally groups into three blocks. Each block contains parallel sentences around the same length. And at times, the final syllables of those parallel lines even rhyme. It was so clearly designed as a call, response, song, or chant. It was made to be sung together with other Christians together in worship. And, and you know, you've got these three blocks, these These three stanzas of the song, they each portray their own distinctive view of Jesus Christ. The first block starts at verse six, and it tells us that Jesus is made of the same essential stuff as God. Verse six shows us the eternal, preexistent, heavenly Christ of one being, of one essence with the Father. And the second block, starting at verse seven, it shows us the human face of Jesus, of Nazareth, a humble servant, his life poured out in suffering and dying. And the third block starting at verse nine saying, therefore God has highly exalted him. It shows us the risen, glorious, exalted Lord Jesus Christ, name above all names with all honor and glory and power forever and ever. It's such a beautifully clear formulation of who this Jesus is that we know and serve and love and worship. He's preexistent and eternal. He is incarnate, he's made flesh like us and he is exalted and glorified. Three levels of existence, he was and he is and he is to come. Three ways of expressing the same truth yesterday, today, and forever. Such rich theology was made to be sung. You know, over the last three weeks, I've had the joy and privilege of preparing the advanced exegesis classes on Philippians for our master's students. And I've become so convinced that these six verses, so convinced they were written to be sung aloud, that that I've stopped asking the question, should it be sung? And I've started asking the question, when was it sung? When was it meant to be sung? Some have argued that Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 to 11 was meant to be sung at our baptism. After all, this song contains a confession of the Lordship of Jesus Christ and an acclamation of his victory and defeat over the evil spiritual powers at work in the world. Possibly, Baptism speaks of all those things. Others have argued that Philippians 2 6 to 11 was meant to be sung at Holy Communion at the Lord's Supper of bread and wine. After all, this song calls us to remember Christ, to proclaim his death and resurrection, and to look up to heaven to our exalted. Glorious risen Lord. Yeah, possibly those things are also important parts of the Lord's Supper. But I think the answer about when the Philippians 2, 6 to 11 hymn was meant to be sung is actually found outside the Bible. Around the year 80 AD, Just 18 years after Paul writes his letter to the Philippians, the Roman governor, Pliny the Younger, he wrote a load of letters to the emperor Trajan. In his 96th letter, Pliny tells Trajan about these Christians that he's arrested and interrogated. Their error, he writes, was that they were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light when they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as God. They sang a Carmen Christi, as the letter says, a hymn to Christ as though he were God. So these Christians, they get up really early in the morning before the sun has even come up, which means they're probably slaves. I mean, who else would do that? And so these Christian slaves gather together at sunrise and they sing a hymn to Christ as though he were God. What's this song they sing to Christ as though he's God? Well, it's impossible to say, but I'd like to think that it was this ancient Carmen Christi, this Christ hymn found here in Philippians 2, 6 to 11, Jesus Christ, even though he was equal to God, made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a slave, he humbled himself. Therefore, God exalted him. I know that I'd certainly like to sing that song if I was a slave in the ancient world. I would want to gather with my fellow slaves and sing that song about the God who knew what it was like to suffer as a slave like me. I could see how the early Christian slaves would really identify with that and find singing it so very comforting, so very encouraging, to sing about Jesus, the suffering servant God, as they gathered together before their own work of suffering service got underway. The Carmen Christi, the song of Christ, Philippians 2, 6 to 11 was sung in worship by the servants of God. Now, when I'm talking about being a servant of Christ, I'm not just talking about cooking Jesus a good steak. You know, I've heard it said in one of the Gnostic Gospels that when Jesus was asked, "'Master, how do you like your steak cooked?' He replied, well done, my good and faithful servant. Faithful servants don't need to be able to cook a well-done steak. But if you can, I like my medium rare. Faithful servants of Jesus Christ do need to have the same mind, the same attitude as Christ verse five tells us. And so what I want to do now is just to go a little bit deeper into this ancient Carmen Christi, this song of Christ, to find out what is the attitude or mind of Christ that we also should have. And to do this, I want to give you just three key words from the original Greek text for us to reflect on. The first Central keyword is found in verse six. The Greek New Testament word is morphe, morphe. Jesus Christ, the very morphe of form or nature of God. Morphe is morphing time. Jesus Christ was the original power ranger. And here, when we think of Morphe, we're called to look back at the eternal, pre existent second person of the Trinity, fully God, God of God, sharing all the essential attributes and qualities with God, perfect in wisdom, power, and love. Jesus Christ, the very image of the glory of the Father, the reflection of eternal heavenly splendor, the visible manifestation of the invisible God. Now, when we get hold of that as if we could ever really get our minds around it. But when you start to dedicate your life to trying to think about Jesus like that, then you're going to have to start to sing your theology. You're going to have to sing your Theologos, your words about God, your words to God. The only practical response to Philippians 2 verse 6 is to worship. This week, why don't you try doing what those first Christian slaves in Philippi did nearly 2000 years ago. Try getting up before dawn, that's about 657 in KL, and get up and sing a song of love to Jesus Christ as the sun comes up. Of course, if you're already a house servant, or in other words, a parent of young kids, then you'll need to be up at least an hour earlier than that to tent to the lords and ladies of the house. I mean, get the kids breakfast. The second central keyword here is found in verse seven. Jesus Christ emptied himself. The Greek New Testament word is keneo, 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 to empty, to pour out, to make nothing, to be stripped bare, to be made of no reputation. Keneo, of his own free will, he gave up all that he had. He completely renounced his heavenly glory and privilege and rank and status. Jesus Christ emptied himself of all that he had and all that he was, and he did it all for you. His blood poured out on the cross for you. His life poured out on the cross for you. His love poured out on the cross for you so that you can be filled and full and fulfilled of all that he was and all that he is. You can be filled with his life and his grace, and his love. The third central key word is found in verse nine. Jesus Christ is exalted. In the New Testament, what the Greek word is huper upseo, huperupseo, but perhaps the Latin will sound more familiar to you. Super exalto, super exalto. This isn't just hupseo or exalto, lifted up, lifted high. Actually, that word's used five times in the gospels to refer to Jesus Christ being lifted up on the cross. But this isn't just hupsio, exalto lifted up on the cross. This is super super exalto, Jesus Christ is super exalted, highly above all others, exalted to the highest place, the loftiest heights of heaven, the superlative honors, given a supremely, magnificently exalted name above every other name, and that name is Jesus. Jesus, it's a wonderful name, a beautiful name, a powerful name. There is freedom in his name. There is healing in his name. You can call on his name even now. Verse five is not part of the Carmen Christi, the Christ song but it does present a concluding challenge to each one of us. Verse five says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mind, the same attitude as Christ. In your relationships with one another, Morphe show, model that love, that kindness, that generosity to one another. In your relationships with one another, keneo, pour yourself out to each other. Humble yourself to each other. Give of yourself to each other. In your relationships with each other, kupa hupseo, super exalto, lift up each other. Speak highly of each other. Take pride and celebrate each other's achievements. Big up each other. I think that's what St. Paul means when he says, have the same mind, the same attitude as Christ Jesus. And so my prayer is, may we have the same mind, the same attitude as Christ today. Amen.